listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Thanks for joining us. We're in a series called Covenant, and we're talking about how we are in covenant with the Almighty God. And we've talked about a lot of stuff so far. And so if you've missed any of these weeks, we have a YouTube channel. Man, subscribe to that. We post these videos of our messages every single week. We have a podcast. You can find us on Apple, on Spotify, on our website. Man, you can listen back to all of these. If you happen to miss a week, and uh, if you're like me, I like to have, uh, we have these little binders that um, we can collect all those little note-taking cards. You can get a free binder in the lobby. Um, And if you missed a week, we have the last, several, uh, last several weeks note-taking cards. So if you missed a week and you want to catch up, ask one of our 18 members and we can get you one of those. Today we're talking about this. We're talking about being marked by the blood, specifically by the blood of Jesus. And I know whenever we say that, it can seem, um, it seems a little graphic, uh, you know, if we're being honest. I think a lot of people, especially in our culture, where we don't understand, we don't still make uh, blood covenants in the traditional sense. We don't still, uh, you know, uh, no one's cutting their hands and putting their hands together to exchange blood to become one in covenants. Like that's like, especially in today's world, that's very frowned upon, right? We're not doing any of that. Uh, so to be marked by the blood, it can seem uh, graphic, but I think this, we must be careful on how we approach the blood of Jesus. It is a very, very um, important thing that we have to understand. We have to caution ourselves whenever we get, number one, too comfortable with it. Or if we think, well, why is God so graphic? Why does God always have to require some type of a blood sacrifice? When we start to go down that trail, things can get really slippery really fast. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I want to talk about specifically how when we are in covenant, we are spiritually marked by the blood of Jesus. And so everywhere that we go, Not only in the spiritual realm do the angels go with us because we are marked, but the demonic spirits and the devil sees us and sees that we are marked, and he is aware that we are in covenant with the Almighty God. I'm already getting ahead of myself. Let's go to point number one here. Point number one is simply this. We are cleansed and marked by the blood of Jesus. We are cleansed and we are marked by the blood of Jesus. Number one and, for, and foremost, we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Uh, again, if we, if we um, aren't careful, if we're not intentional, um, if we talk down about the blood or if we're unaware of its necessary importance, we can easily begin to say that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough and we can somehow get to heaven on our own. If I downplay the sacrifice of Jesus, if I downplay the precious blood of Jesus that was spilled for me, for my salvation, and if I think it was too much, it wasn't necessary, then I don't understand, uh, number one, I need to get a little more knowledge of my Bible, because I don't understand that God is a righteous God. He is righteous and he is holy. There is no darkness in him. There is no corruption in him. He required a perfect sacrifice because we were so unperfect and he is only perfect. So he required that there would be something drastic that happened so that we would have the power then to be in the new covenant so that we could be freed from our past, freed from our addictions. Our old life is, is passed away. All things have become new so I can step into a full relationship with our Heavenly Father, not a partial relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's a lot of people who in our world say they believe Jesus or they would say that they're a Christian, but they just know a lot about him. 
but they don't know him in their heart. And even Jesus said, many are going to say to me at the end of the age, Lord, Lord. But he's going to say, I never knew you. They knew about him up here, but they failed to understand the drastic importance of a covenant relationship in their spirit and in their heart. And they didn't know him intimately here. And that's God's desire. Not for you just to know about him. He wants you to know him intimately. And this is why the blood of Jesus was shed. Number one is it cleanses us, though. It cleanses us. Let's look at 1 John 1, 7. It says this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Not by how good I am. Not by, well, I messed up, so I'm going to stay away from church for a few weeks. I'm going to try to get better on my own, and then I'm going to go to church and try to start to get close with God again. That's foolishness. That's what the devil, that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. I messed up. I sinned. Let me distance myself from God, who loves me more than anyone. And then once I clean my act up, then I will come back into to church and raise my hands and be, you know, kumbaya. That's not, what he's, that's not what we do here, okay? No. When I mess up, I need to run to the Father, I run to him first because I understand that the only way I am going to find healing internally in my spirit, cleansing power, is through the blood of Jesus. It's the only way. Look, let's look at 1 Peter 1, 18. For you know that God paid a ransom. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was, look, look at this. It was the precious blood of Christ the sinless, the spotless lamb of God. I love that verbiage. You can see how dear it is to his heart as he writes this, the precious blood of Christ. He said you were, you were paid, the ransom was paid because we were enslaved to something, to sin, to worldliness, whatever it is. We were entrapped and enslaved to something. If you missed last week, you need to listen to it. We talked about how um, last week the devil wants to enslave us to sickness, physical and mental sickness, but we have covenant rights to healing. Come on, somebody. The precious blood of Jesus is sufficient enough to free us from every bondage the enemy would try to entrap us with. That's what we need to understand. The blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, it is sufficient enough to free us from every bondage the enemy would try to entrap us with. Can I tell you? God's desire through his blood is that you would experience freedom today. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And I'm not against going to counseling or anything like that, but I'm just saying there is hope for today. Today is the day of salvation. If you walked in here addicted to something, you can have freedom today. You can walk out not addicted anymore. Not on your own power. I'm going to try to be better. You can't only through the precious blood of Jesus the ransom was paid. Why? Because you were enslaved to something, and whether it's addiction, sickness, sin, whatever it is, you can have freedom today. Only through Jesus. He cleanses us with his blood. Number two is that we're marked. And this is what I want to talk about specifically today. We're marked. In a blood covenant, we've been talking about the traditional Hebrew blood covenant, how there was nine steps, and we've been talking about how there's so much similarity between those nine steps and what we get to experience in this new covenant and in the New Testament. And in, the, in a traditional Hebrew blood covenant, they would make, actually make a scar on their hands. And so they would cut their right hand, they would mix their blood together, which again, is frowned upon today, right? We're not doing that today. 
Don't worry, okay, we don't have a bunch of knives up here after service, we're not doing that. Um, they would mix their blood together, but then they would actually rub those, those cuts together so much so that it would actually scar their hands or wherever they would make that cut. So that as they would go after the covenant was made, they could let, it was basically an outward evidence of the covenant that they made with, with someone else so that other people were aware of it. It was a reminder to them, but it was more so that other people would be made aware of this covenant. So anyone who wanted to fight you, they would know that not only if they came to fight you, they would have to fight someone else as well. So I could be going into, coming up and me and somebody else are getting into an, to an argument, things are getting heated, right? And I could show them my covenant scar, my covenant mark. And I could say, we can still fight, but just know if you mess with me, I got somebody that's got my back. Trust me, you don't want to mess with me. <laughs> that's what we can go, and that's what we can say. They made this mark, this scar. Spiritually, this still happens to us today. We are marked by the blood of Jesus. It's not a scar that we have to wear around, but it is a spiritual marking that shows up in our lives. And not only are we, do we put it on, do we make sure that we are marking ourselves with it as a reminder, but we are most, more so marking ourselves so that as we walk through our week, any enemy that would come against us will see the spiritual marking and would know, if I touch them, I gotta fight somebody else as well. I'm gonna get into this. I'm gonna break this down so you can see what I'm saying. We're spiritually marked by the blood of Jesus. So whenever, here's what happens. When I become in a covenant with, with Christ, with our Heavenly Father, the Almighty God, through Christ, what happens is I am marked by the blood of Jesus. And, and as believers, um, when demons see us in the spiritual realm, two things happen, okay? Two things happen. Number one, this is the correct response from them, and is that they scream in terror because they see that you are marked by the blood of Jesus and you know it. That's the difference. You know what you are entitled to. If I know that I'm marked, I can walk in covenant authority and I know, I know what my weapons are. I know the promises of God that are covenant that can never fail. I know what the promises are. I know how to go to battle. I know what to speak when things come against me. I know how to use the sword of the spirit, my shield of faith. I know it. And so when demons see me, they think, I can mess with them, but it's a risk. It's a risk because they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. The second is the incorrect one, is what we don't want, is that they see us, they see believers that are marked by the blood, but they do not know it. So they are terrorized, attacked, and enslaved by a spiritual enemy. They do not know it. God said, my people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. If I don't know what God's given me, especially through covenant relationship with him, I will walk around and defeat my entire life. And I can say, and I can have perfect church attendance. I can pray. I can worship. But if I don't know what he's given me, I can still get my butt kicked every day. Can we be real in church? So we need to know, what am I entitled to? What does it mean to be marked by the blood then? How do I walk in some confidence in my covenant relationship with him? Here's what I want us to look at. First Peter 2, it says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Into his marvelous light. The church, the capital C church, is the new spiritual Israel, which now includes Gentile believers. God still has a special place in his heart for Israel. That's why we pray for Israel. That's why we support Israel. That's why you don't mess with Israel because you'll mess with the Almighty God. That is an everlasting covenant. This is a side note for what's going on in our world. Israel has covenant rights, everlasting covenant rights to the land that they are on right now from the Almighty God. So I don't care what the world says or what whoever says, but if you believe this, then you know who to support and who to stand with and who to pray for. Amen? Let's continue on. So the church is the, the new spiritual Israel. We get, to be, we, we get to be a part of it. This is what happened whenever God made covenant with Abraham. He said, you're going to have descendants as much as the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. The sand on the shore is the physical descendants. That's, the, that's Israel. That's, that's the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. The stars in the sky are us. It's the Gentiles. We are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. So there's the physical seashore, the sand, and the stars. We, get, we are the stars. We're the spiritual um, descendants of Abraham. But he ordains us. He ordains us. So if, what does that mean then? If we are a royal priesthood, we need to understand what does it mean to be a priest? What does it mean to be a, a royal priest in the kingdom of God? Let's look back at Leviticus. Since we're talking about covenant, Leviticus 8, I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. Leviticus 8, 22 through 23. This is when Moses was ordaining the priests to be priests, and here's what he did. Then Moses presented the other ram. This would be the second ram of the ceremony, which was the ram of ordination. Aaron and his sons, they laid their hands on the ram's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Man, there's a lot of blood, but again, we need to understand the importance of blood in in covenant relationship. Then Moses took some of its blood, and he applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear, to the thumb of his right hand, and to the big toe of his right foot. You ever been reading your Bible, and you just think, what is going on here? (laughs) Like, this is one of those verses. Okay, somebody, if you don't know culture, if you don't know where this is written from, it's like, I don't know how to apply that to my life. You know, like, what am I supposed to do here? But when we understand the spiritual side of it, it applies very much to us today. It applies very much to us today. So Moses takes Aaron and his sons, and he's ordaining them as priests. And here's what we have to look at. Many times when we see things, and here's a great way to approach reading your Bible, is to ask, number one, where's Jesus in this? And number two, where am I? Where's Jesus in in this passage, and where am I? Number one, where's Jesus? Because everything in the Old Testament is always pointing to Jesus, and then everything in the New Testament after Jesus is gone is always pointing back to Jesus. It's always pointing to Jesus. He's in there. There's a spiritual um, relation in there somewhere, but then where am I? How do I relate to this? Because if I can find out where I'm at, then the Holy Spirit can go show me my next steps. How do I grow from here? Where do I go from here? How do I change from here? Many times we like to relate to the heroes of the Bible, but sometimes um, we can relate to some of the guys that messed it up the most, you know, honestly. So here's the thing. Where, where's, where's Jesus? Where am I? Here's what I look at. Whenever we see this, is I ask the question, this blood that was put on their ear, their thumb, and the big toe, I have to say this. I would have to assume this, that the blood of Jesus must have a similar function because the Old Testament always foreshadows the new. So here's what I would say. The blood of Jesus has an internal application as well as an external application. Stay with me here. The the blood of Jesus has an internal application and an external. When we enter into covenant with God through Jesus, 
And through his blood, two things happen. We are cleansed on the inside. My sins are forgiven. Not by my works, but by his, what he's done for me. I am cleansed on the inside. Number two is we are marked externally. Ear, hand, and foot. The external marking is a spiritual marking that the devil and his demons can see. He marks our ear, our thumb, and our toe. So let's talk about it. Number one, our ear is marked for hearing. Our ear is marked for hearing. i got to give credit where credit is due. The first time I heard this principle taught was through the great evangelist Reinhard Bonnke. If you know him, if you don't know him, look him up on YouTube. He will rock your world. Um, a great general of the faith, though, Reinhard Bonnke. He's, he's, he first opened my eyes to this. Our ear is marked for hearing. The priests were required to hear the word of God and obey. Hear and obey. They had the responsibility to keep their ear tuned to him. And so what they were doing is they were marking the right ear as a way of saying, this ear is always going to be tuned to God's voice. No matter what I'm doing, I will be listening and submitted to what he has to say, and then I will do whatever he has to say. I will walk in complete obedience. And how many times do we hear Jesus say, whenever, especially after he would say a parable or something that was a little tough to take in or tough to swallow, is he would say this, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And how many times I've read that when I was growing up, like, okay, yeah, we all have ears. Everyone has ears. But what's he talking about? A spiritual ear to receive and to understand and to internalize, but then to walk in obedience to it. A spiritual ear to hear, let him hear. God wants to talk to you personally. When's the last time you heard his voice? Undeniably in your spirit, that still small voice. When's the last time? Think about that for a second. Not just, well, I think that was God, but I don't know. When's the last time I heard his voice? God wants to talk to you. Look at these verses. John 10, 27. My sheep, this is Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you see the hearing and the obedience? They hear my voice. They follow me. I hear and I obey. I hear and I obey. But if I don't have my ear tuned to hearing, it's tough to walk in obedience. Because many times I'm living my life and I'm going throughout my life, but I'm doing things that are against God's word or I'm doing things that would lead me down a path to destruction and the Holy Spirit's speaking to me saying, don't do that, don't go with that person, don't make that decision, don't take that job. But if my ear isn't tuned to him, I'll keep walking my, in my own ignorance and fall right off the cliff. And say, God, where were you? Why didn't you tell me? And he said, I've been trying to tell me, but you're not listening. And so many times in our lives, God's voice becomes white noise to us because we've been going years. He's been talking, and I've been ignoring. You ever been to somebody's house that maybe it was your house? They had a lot of kids, and it was just, it was just a loud house. Maybe there's a loud family, right? And for them, they don't even hear how, like, and you're not used to it, and you don't even hear how loud it is, but it's just like there is so much happening right now. But they can have a perfectly normal conversation. They're used to it. Many times that's what we do with God. He's, he's talking, but we're just zoning them out because I'm so used to walking in a disobedience to his voice I don't even hear it anymore. He didn't stop talking. He, he loves you enough to keep talking. But do you have an ear tuned to listen to your shepherd? 
And will you walk in obedience? Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. How do I get faith? I need to have an ear, an ordained, blood-marked ear that is tuned to him. And I need to be receiving, listening, taking in every single day to build my faith so that I can walk in what he has for me. John 8, 47, for, for uh, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Guess what? If you're God's, if you're in covenant with him, you hear his voice. That's a promise from God. You can hear his voice. He wants to talk to you. He desires to talk to you personally, personally. James 1.22 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. I hear. My ear is marked to hear so that I can walk in obedience if I'm never hearing, it's tough to walk in obedience. Later on in Scripture, in 1 Samuel, we see the story of the boy Samuel when he was assisting Eli in the tabernacle. And Eli is teaching him to listen. He's teaching Samuel to listen. Samuel is going, and he's just a boy. He's hearing from God for the first time. And he's asleep, but he's hearing somebody call his name. And so he gets up, and he goes to Eli, who he's serving. And he says, hey, you called me. I'm here. What do you need? And Eli is like, I didn't call you. I'm trying to sleep. You go back to sleep. And he does this time and time again. Until finally, Eli, as the priest, he says, hang on. I think God's trying to talk to you. Next time he does, here's what you need to do. Say this, and here's where we pick up in, three, in verse 310, or chapter 3, verse 10. And the Lord came, and he called before, as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Speak, your servant is listening. Do you see the two? Speak, I'm listening. But who's listening? Your servant. God, I am, he said from the very beginning, I'm posturing my heart to hear from you. And as a servant obeys his master, that's what I'm prepared to do. So many times in my life, I have quoted this verse out of desperation. I long to hear God's voice. Maybe I'm going through a trial. I'm going through something tough. And it's just early in the morning or late at night, and I just get on my knees in my living room. I just turn everything off. No worship music. I just close my Bible, turn, like throw my phone across the room. Just get on my knees and just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And can I tell you, those have been some of the most holy moments in my life where the presence of God has filled my living room just because I've postured my heart. I've turned that ear, that marked ear to him. And I just said, I'm your servant, and I don't care what you ask me to do, how uncomfortable, how, un how crazy it may seem, I will do it. God wants to speak to people who will walk in obedience. You can hear from God today. He wants to talk to you. Number two is this, our thumb. Our thumb is marked for serving. Our thumb is marked for serving. Here's why they would mark the thumb. Because without the thumb, have you ever injured your thumb? In football before, I've like dislocated it and I've had all kinds of issues. I had to like tape it up and I was a receiver. So trying to catch the football with like a partially dislocated thumb was not fun, okay? Wasn't very good. Um, and so it's not good. Without the thumb, it's tough to grip things, right? And many times um, in Israel, you would go and if you read through the Old Testament, you see these stories where they would go to these enemies' kings and they would go when they would cut off their thumbs and their toes and they would leave them alive, the reason they would do that is because it was shameful. If I cut off his thumbs, that king can no longer pick up his sword and run into battle. He has no way to grip it. 
And so what they would do, and they would do the same thing with the big toe. Have you ever hurt your big toe? I have. <laughs> it's not fun. You don't realize how much you need your big toe for walking, for running, for just walking normal until you've injured it, right? Well, without the big toe, I can't go to my fullest potential. The kings could not run into battle any longer. The thumb. It's marked for serving because it's the most important part of serving and what I'm doing. It makes my hand the most useful. Colossians 3.23 says this, Work willingly, as whatever, whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Everything I put my hand to, when I understand that I am marked by the blood, I understand that when I put my hand to something, this is a covenant hand that I'm putting to work today. So whenever I go and you read through the Old Testament, you read the story of Joseph, and you see how Joseph was blessed as a slave, Joseph was blessed in prison, and then Joseph was blessed what? As a ruler. Why? Because he had great bosses, because the, the people he was serving were from God, were in covenant with God? No, because Joseph was in covenant with God. Joseph then had covenant hands. And so no matter what he did, whether he was in prison, whether he was serving uh, somebody else as a slave, or whether he was ruling in Egypt, didn't matter. He was blessed because of covenant hands. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter where you work right now or who your boss is or how much you don't like them. God will sometimes bless the company you work for, even if your boss is the worst, okay? He will bless that company. Why? Because of you. You're in covenant with him. And if you put your covenant hand to it, your thumb is marked with the blood of Jesus, and it has... It has to produce fruit. It has to. Everything you put your hand to will prosper. It's a promise from God, but I have to be aware of it, and I have to make sure my attitude is in check. Because how many times have I gone and worked under a boss or at a company that honestly I didn't care for, and I've let my emotions steal my covenant promise from me? I'm just going to work, don't want to be here, don't like being here, and I didn't put my hand to the plow and not turn back. I didn't put my covenant hand to it and work as if I was working for God, for my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ, as if he was my boss. In Matthew 25, we see this story, the parable of the talents, where the master leaves and he gives out these talents to these servants. He says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to check on what you've done with the talents that I've given you. And whenever he comes back, he checks in. And whenever he checks in, he sees that the, the five-talent servant has doubled it. The two-talent two talent servant has doubled it. The one-talent servant has done nothing. He's just buried it in the ground. But when he sees the two that have doubled their, their, what he's given them, he comes to them and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And after this parable of the talents, he explains the parable. Because he talks about at the end of the age how he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he says that I will send the sheep on my right side who are the righteous in Christ. I'm going to set them over here. I'm going to tell them, well done, good and faithful servant. Because whenever I needed a drink, you gave me a drink. Whenever I was sick, you visited me. When I needed help, you helped me. And he says the sheep will reply to him at the end of the age, Jesus, when did we do that? I never saw you in person and gave you a drink. I never saw you at the hospital and came and visited you. I never helped you in a time of need. And here's Jesus' response in 2540. He says this. He says, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So when I serve Christ, and if I choose to serve someone else, this is why it's so important that when we serve our kids across the hall here, it may seem like we're serving Toddlers, preschoolers, babies, elementary age kids, but who are we actually serving? Jesus. If you've done it to the least, you've done it to me. 
Now, if we read the whole story later on in this passage, what does he say? He says, when you didn't do it, when you saw the need and I told you to meet it and you did not meet it, you didn't give me a drink, you didn't visit me, you didn't help me in a time of need, he said, you didn't even do it to me. And the goat's response is this, if we would have known it was you, we would have. And Jesus says, that's the problem. Put your covenant hand to work as if you're working for me. And I promise you, I can do more with it than you ever could on your own. Don't look at others. Look at me. Look at me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Matthew 23, 11 through 12 says this, But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The measure of success is this. The measure of success for disciples is not in how we rule, but is in how we serve. It's not in, oh, look at my job. Look at how many people I'm over. I'm the boss of this many people. That's great, but how many are you serving? Who am I serving? Who knows that I care about them? Obedience leads to provision. Obedience leads to provision. Let's look at Deuteronomy 30, verses 8 through 9. Then you will again obey the Lord and keep all his commandments that I have given you today. The Lord your God, he will make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock. He will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests. For the Lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. Here's what he's saying. Look, when I do everything as, as though I'm do working and serving the Lord Jesus, my work will be blessed. Not just my work, everything I put my hand to will be blessed. If I'm a stay-at-home mom, if you're a stay-at-home mom, your work will be blessed. What's that? Your household, your children, your property, everything I put my hand to. It will be blessed when I work and I serve as unto the Lord. Everything I put my hand to, it will prosper. But here's what the priests had to do with their thumb that was marked Serving means that I must walk in righteousness and in holiness. So I can't claim covenant with God and walk in disagreement with his word. Do you hear me? If I am knowingly, willingly living in sin against his word, I can no longer claim covenant rights. How can I expect God to bless what I put my hand to if I am knowingly, willingly doing opposite of what he's commanded me to do. I'm no longer a servant because I'm walking in a disobedience. I don't want to step on anybody's toes today, but it's good to be challenged every now and then, amen? It's good to know how am I going to prosper in this life. It's good to know that though I may be going through a tough time, I have covenant hands. And though, man, I don't know how financially I'm going to make ends meet. I don't know what's going on with my job. I know God's brought me here, but I don't know where this season is going. It doesn't matter where you're at in, in life. The covenant promises of God should only do one thing, edify us. It should convict me to move. So if you're sitting there and you're, you're feeling condemned, you're feeling, man, I'm, I just don't feel good enough, man, I just don't, I, I need to be doing more. Hold on. The voice of the Holy Spirit will convict you to action so that you can reap the fruit of the, of, of the promise. So today, it doesn't matter what last week held, Today, this week, tomorrow, when you show up to work, what? I'm going to put this marked thumb to work. 
God, I thank you that everything I put my hand to will prosper today. I thank you that I don't really care for my boss. I don't care for their lifestyle. I don't care for how they treat me sometimes, but I'm working for you today, God. And I thank you that I'm going to go to work. I'm going to put my hand to work. I'm going to serve as unto you. And I thank you that you're going to promote me. You're going to give me raises. You're going to financially come through for me. I'm going to have bonuses coming my way. I have abundance and favor. Why? Covenant hands. And I'm serving you. I don't serve any man. I serve you. And you will bless everything I put my hand to. Look at Joseph in jail, as a slave, as a ruler. How did he get to being a ruler? He put covenant hands to work in jail as a slave. God said, let's go. I can use that. The last one is this, our toe. Our toe is marked for going. You know, whenever I was in football, I had a weird toe accident. We, we like to play uh, football I say, we played football on, the, on our big trampoline at home. I have two older brothers. And basically, it was just whoever had the ball, you just tackled them, right? That's all it was. And if you got tackled, you fumbled it. And it was just an endless game of just people falling off the trampoline. It was not good, okay? Anyway, I got my toe snagged on the trampoline one time, and it hurt so bad. And for a few weeks, I couldn't run full speed. It's my big toe on my right foot. And man, I was hurting. I mean, we taped it like we, you know, we did everything to, to, to protect it. But running in cleats and being in football, man, I can't tell you how many times people stepped on my toe, the hurt toe, right? You ever hurt your toe and you're just walking around super weird? That was me. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who are walking through their life spiritually like that. They got this toe that's been injured in the past, but they haven't let the precious blood of Jesus heal it so that they can go full potential. The blood of Jesus is available, but we have to reach out and get it. I got to apply it. I got to seek after him. I have to knock. I have to ask. I got to go after it. And if I will, his healing power can go to work. Our big toe allows us spiritually and physically, but it allows us to go to our fullest potential. And I'm going to say something that I know it sounds harsh. And now that I'm getting to the end of the message, I feel like I've been getting after you today, but hear me, hear my heart behind this. Static, complacent, casual Christianity is sinful. I'm not saying this to bash anybody over the head. I'm not. I'm not. Static, complacent, casual Christianity is sinful. In the parable of the talents, what did Jesus say? Or the, the Jesus was the representative. He was the, the master in the story. He looked at the one that he gave the one talent to who just buried it in the ground. And when he came back and he said, over there is where I buried it, the master said, you wicked, lazy servant. Because the master knew the potential. What does the talent represent? It represents our salvation. It's his kingdom. When I'm, when I'm saved, what do I have access to? His entire kingdom. But a lot of Christians have taken it and they've buried it in the ground. And they live their life however they want to. And if you ask them at work, hey, are you go to church? Are you a believer? Yeah. They dig it up real quick. Yeah, see? I'm a Christian. And then they go bury it and no one knows. But the faithful, the good servant, what do they do? They multiply it. They invest it. They serve. They go. This is why. 
the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says this, therefore, go, go and make disciples. Not just go, uh, go put together a bunch of great churches and so that one pastor can make disciples. Nope. You go and make disciples. If I call myself a disciple, what? I got a job to do. Go. When's the last time that I led somebody to Jesus? Here's an even better question. When's the last time I prayed for the opportunity? God, give me a chance today to lead someone into your goodness, to show someone your love, to bring them into your kingdom. When's the last time I even prayed for it? And I promise you, if you pray for it, he will open the door. Therefore, go and make disciples. Here's what's amazing. Go in your own strength. Go and I, I just try to put the words together to lead someone to, to Christ. No, Matthew 10, when he sends out his disciples, he says, as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. This, this job description has not changed for today's church. If I'm not willing to get after it, if I'm not willing to do some of these things, to, to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, if I'm not willing to believe for some of this stuff, then I need to read my Bible. I got some growing up to do. This is my job description. As you go, preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's what that means. An astronaut can go to space. And when an astronaut goes to space, they can survive in space because they, he wears a suit that carries the atmosphere of Earth. It's a little mini atmosphere inside the suit, right? I can breathe oxygen. I can operate. So it is with the blood of Jesus. When you are marked by the blood of Jesus, you carry heaven's atmosphere with you. So why does Jesus say, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Well, what's at hand? You are. You're at hand. I'm here. I carry the kingdom. What do you need? Because I know the one that I have access to the one who's got all the answers. Do you need healing? Let's pray. Do you need salvation? I can show you the person who will guide you into a relationship with Jesus. But woe to us if we would freely receive and not freely give. This is covenant responsibility. I am marked by the blood. Why? So that I have my feet are marked. So as I go, what? God goes. I never go in my own might. He goes with me. He's for me. He's, he's surrounding me. His angels are with me. His spirit is in me, ready to work on my behalf. Go. I have the atmosphere of heaven with me. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can pray that that atmosphere, the heavenly atmosphere, be here on earth everywhere that I go because I'm in covenant. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because I carry it. I have the honor and the privilege, not because I'm great, not because I tried so hard, not because of any degree that I have. No, because I believed in Jesus in his precious blood. I am in covenant with the almighty God and now I walk on purpose. But the toe is marked not just for going to reach the lost, but is marked for going in continuance. 
meaning this. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, it says this, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. My toe is marked so that, does it matter? Does it matter what the enemy throws my way? Does it matter what life season I'm in? Doesn't matter how dark this valley is that I'm walking through right now. My toe is marked so that I can walk in continuance, that I will press on to what God has for me. I'm still walking. I may have got hit once or twice. I may be going through a tough season, but I'm pressing on. Why? Because I have covenant feet that will never fail me. I have covenant feet that as I walk, God walks with me and I can walk with confidence. So whatever you've been through in the past, whatever last week held, however difficult the season, you are marked by the blood of Jesus if you believe in him. You are marked by him. You are marked to continue on, to press on and to move forward. Don't stop now. And God told me to tell you this today. Don't stop. Keep moving, son. Keep moving, daughter. Trust me. Keep walking. I've gone before you. So let me wrap this up by just saying this. The blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, it cleanses, cleanses us internally and it marks us externally. Our ears are marked for hearing his voice. He wants to speak to you today. Our thumbs are marked for serving for worshiping and for doing what he's called us to do. And our toes, our feet, they are marked for going, to reach the lost and to press on during hardships. Don't stop now. Don't stop. I have a few reflection questions, but I just want to skip to the action step. So Eddie, you can just go to the action step here. I need to daily remind myself that I am marked by the blood of Jesus. Here's what that means. Reinhard Bonnke, he said this when he was giving this principle. He said, just because there's soap in our world, it doesn't mean that there, are, that there aren't dirty people in the world. We got a lot of soap. Go to the store. But you ever been around somebody that's kind of smelly? What's going on? There's soap available. Why aren't we using it? <laughs> right? It's the same way with the blood of Jesus. I need, to use, I need to use some soap every day. Amen, somebody? Come on. I need to use some soap. Come on. <laughs> I got to use some soap. Every morning when I get up, the blood of Jesus is available for me, but I need to get it, and I need to go to work, okay? I got to cover myself. I got to mark it. I got to go after it because when I don't, I will drift from what God's called me to do and what? I will go into ignorance and I will be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But whenever I am in covenant with him, and I remind myself of it every day. What am I doing? I'm taking that blood spiritually, okay, hear me, and I'm putting it on. I'm saying, God, I'm listening for you today. God, I thank you that everything I put my hand to, it will prosper today because I have covenant hands. God, I thank you that I am going on purpose today. Guide me, guide my steps, guide my next step. Be with me in this season. God, I thank you that though it was a tough week, that the enemy came at me this week, I thank you that I'm 
pressing on to the prize. I'm pressing on to what you have for me in this next season. I will not stop here, but I'm continuing because I have covenant feet that you've marked with your blood. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward on purpose. This is God's heart for us. Just like I use soap, I got to use the blood of Jesus, and it's precious. It's precious, but it's powerful. I cannot accomplish any of this, salvation, any of it, on my own works, only through him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for covenant. Thank you for a relationship with you. Thank you for being with us. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for marking us as a royal priesthood that we can go on purpose. We can hear your voice. We can serve with expectation. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second as I wrap up? If you're in here today and you say, Pastor Dan, I need that. I need access to that blood. I need access to that cleansing power. Maybe you're in here and you have some sin in your life that you're ready to get free from. Maybe you have an addiction in your life that you're ready to lay down today and walk out free. Maybe you've had something in here that you just cannot seem to shake or you just haven't asked forgiveness for. Today's your day. Today's your chance to reach out and to take that blood of Jesus and allow it to work in your, in your heart internally, spiritually, to cleanse you, to make you white as snow, to separate you as far as the east is from the west from your sins. Today's your day. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, hey, that's me. I need that prayer. I need someone to pray with me, to renew my, my walk with Christ, to get back into covenant, or I just need some forgiveness today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you do anything weird. I just want to be able to pray with you. Awesome. Here's my second question. Maybe you're in here today and you'd say this. Pastor Dan, I need to, I need to be marked today. I need to be spiritually reminded today. I need to hear God's voice today. I need some breakthrough in what I'm putting my hand to. Maybe you just need the strength to finish out today, to keep walking. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, I need that. I need that mark. I need that remembrance. I see that hand. My hand's up. (laughs) I need some of that. I see that hand. Good. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray right now as we are your holy people, as we are in covenant with you, I pray for strength. I pray for those of us that need to hear your voice today, Lord. We say, speak. Your servants are listening. We're ready to obey. Our ears are tuned to your voice. We're tuned to your voice. Father, I pray for those of us that need breakthrough in our finances, those of us that need breakthrough at work, those of us that need direction at work, those of us that just need some some breakthrough in our homes as we're working, as we're serving our spouse, serving our family. God, I pray for our hands, our thumbs that are marked by the blood of Jesus. I pray that you would bring breakthrough in our homes, breakthrough as we put our hands to work, that everything we put our hand to will prosper in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those of us that need endurance they need some strength. We need some strength as we go. I pray that you would open doors of opportunity to to make disciples, to bring people into your family. And God, I pray that you would help us. Give us the strength to continue walking today, to not stop, to not give up, to not lay down. But God, we thank you that we walk in covenant relationship with you. Our feet are marked by the precious blood of Jesus. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.